Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Show. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I'm joined by Richard Wilson. He is the CEO of FamilyOffices.com. They have over 1,750 investors that they serve, and they work with families with over $100 million in assets. They are all, he is also the number one bestselling author of the great book, The Single Family Office. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on here, Seth. All right, so let's go back in time because you weren't always working with the ultra-affluent. How did you get started? Yeah, I really got started out of curiosity. I'd been reaching out to wealth management firms and institutional investors, trying to get introductions for a hedge fund to raise capital and realized that the wealth management firms didn't have enough accredited investors on average. The institutions wanted nothing to do with a sub $100 million hedge fund. So once I discovered that a family office concept existed, I said to myself, well, I'm not going to talk to anyone else, just family offices that's the best investment of my time. And then I found out that is very hard to do. It's hard to find their websites. They're secretive. They don't respond all the time to cold calls. Uh, so I just started researching the industry, sharing what I learned along the way, kind of documenting the journey. And then things just uh, took off over time. That is absolutely incredible. And I'm obviously the longer version of that is probably in the book. So um, we won't <laughs> right. ask you to tell it all now. We're here today to talk specifically about capital raising. So you were trying to raise capital for a hedge fund. You were obviously you talked a little bit about the journey that you went through and we'll dive deeper into that. What were you finding um, were some of your biggest challenges other than the institutions not wanting you because you didn't have 100 million yet? And the regular financial advisors didn't have enough clients with enough money for you other than being caught I, in the middle. I mean, at the beginning, I was starting at ground zero. I didn't know what they wanted. I didn't know where they went. I don't know what events they attended. I didn't know how to get my foot in the door. I didn't know how to get them reaching out to me instead of me reaching out to them. So eventually, uh, we learned to reverse those things and you know figure out where they congregate, where they live, how to be attractive to them, figure out what they're literally searching for on Amazon.com and Google get in front of that so that they're reaching out to us for things that they care about. And we found that um, if you approach it, instead of like going to a lake with a spear trying to catch a fish, but instead look at it and figure out where the water's flowing and where the grizzly bear is, where the fish are jumping right into its mouth, that taking that time up front to position yourself really well uh, and be as genuinely helpful as possible so that the leads are coming towards you is just a much more enjoyable 
way to exist because capital raising can be so hard and, and frustrating for so many people. Absolutely. And of course, you don't want to get snatched by the grizzly by mistake. So right. <laughs> in that analogy. So let's talk about that a little bit. What were the folks that you were re re researching the target market that you were trying to get in front of? What were they mm -hmm. looking for on Amazon? What were they looking for on Google? Because we don't necessarily think that the business owner who sold his company for $100 million is Googling, you know, how do I beat the stock market? Right. I mean, uh, a lot of them are looking for things like, uh, how to get my estate planning done or how to handle inheritances or how to set up a family office, et cetera. Uh, a lot of them are looking to connect to peers. A lot of them want more direct investment deal flow. A lot of them are just trying to figure out what a family office is and if they need one. So all those types of terms. And the more we got to know them, the more we identify these little sub pockets. And it's why we eventually wrote a book called how to start a family office. And, you know, the same reason why we wrote a book called capital raising uh, is that if you provide a lot of value to a very specific audience type and over deliver to them more than anyone else's in the industry, then they're going to reach out to you as the expert in the space or as a resource that they could leverage for their own needs. And uh, that, that reverses the flow. Absolutely. And it sounds like, so you eventually stopped raising money for the hedge fund and started a separate company. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we started uh, FamilyOffices.com, which is a family office club, and we have uh, you know certification programs, capital raising workshops, conferences, twenty five events a year, etc. Importantly, we provide things to people raising capital that we believe no one else really does, like capital raising workshops that are interactive with worksheets, PitchDecks.com. We do people's materials for them in a one stop shop that's actually smart for raising capital versus just looking pretty. Uh, but it's important to know that we don't raise capital as a placement agent. We're not investment bankers. The only clients we advise in a client agreement are the ultra wealthy families. And we have um, decided to focus there because one or two relationships there is more high leverage than, you know, trying to raise capital for three different things, you know, wouldn't be a very credible thing to do and just be running around, you know, uh, reaching out to our relationships and it'd feel like abusing them versus focusing on adding the most value to them as possible. Right. If you're constantly saying fund the steel, fund the steel, right. You could right, right. obviously wear that out at song. You only <laughs> want to hear so many times. So yeah. what are the biggest, most common mistakes that you see entrepreneurs who are raising capital making? Yeah, I think one's not realizing that most deals move forward through uh, these three trust curves. There's the trust curve of you, the executive, the team. There's the trust curve of the industry overall. And then there's the trust curve of the actual deal at hand. So let's say somebody's raising capital, their direct invest or direct to consumer deal, which is uh, an Amazon company, and somebody might not know you yet. And if they uh, are familiar with how Amazon works, that might make it easier for them to invest. Uh, but they're not familiar with your type of product that you sell on Amazon. You know, if they knew you very well, everyone knows how Amazon works pretty much, and they actually use the product uh, already then that would be one where they're all the way up all three trust curves. And this is why people raise capital from friends and family first. But if you're going into meetings and they're at ground zero on all three trust curves, you're going to be dead in the water. It's just going to take a long time to convert them. So it's always smarter to go to local investors to where you are. So they can come visit your company, see how you operate, meet your team, et cetera, or go to investors who've made money in your niche. So if you are like the last company I made an investment in was a bath salt company that actually happens to sell via Amazon and, you know, I've connected them with a few investors uh, through the family office club 
And the thing is that we always talk about is that if somebody's had an exit in consumer products or Amazon, they're going to be more likely to invest and add a ton of strategic value versus going out to an investor who maybe made their money in manufacturing and try to get them up that learning curve. It's going to take five times longer and they will be one fifth as valuable after they come in, you know? So it just, it's better for everybody. If you focus on those three curves, it's more efficient, more effective. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. How are you targeting? So let's say we decide that we need a consumer space exit investor who's exited. Um, How do we find those people? Yeah, one trick is to use uh, a website called upwork.com. And uh, we've hired probably 90 people through there over the past 10 years. We've got three or four working for us full time at any one point in time. Uh, But you can go and find like Inc. 500, Inc. 5000 historical lists from the past 10 years. And maybe don't look at this year's or last year's, but some of the older ones, the companies aren't, you know, as famous being on the list. Some of those have grown and have had exits. If you hire someone on Upwork to study those historical lists and create a database and look at uh, press releases and acquisition lists uh, in the industry, then you can usually build up a good 50 or 100 person list and then find their LinkedIn profile, find where they're working now, et cetera. And that'd be one way to do it. Another way is to join an industry association or community and speak there and network with them there and kind of develop those organically. Okay, so that's absolutely brilliant strategy. Are you saying that when your freelancer, your VA, whoever on um, is researching to find the CEOs of those companies who then in an exit, when the company was bought out, they would have either quote unquote retired or went somewhere else? Or are you trying to find somehow the people who invested in that company who didn't work there, who would have realized a liquidity event? Uh, usually the principal, the founder or the co-founder, but maybe the company just went public and maybe they're uh, on the board of a publicly traded company, or maybe they're the chairman of the board or the CEO of a publicly traded company that might have 10 to $30 million in a slush fund for acquisitions or for investments like a company like yours and could add to distribution, et cetera. So I think in doing that type of research, you might stumble across some corporate, you know, venture capital groups or someone that you could partner with and who could be a funder of the deal you're looking to close to. I think that is a great idea. And I, through uh, our pitch tank events every year, we get thousands and thousands of companies pitching for capital. And Mm -hmm. obviously we have thousands of investors who come and I highly doubt, I would say at least 95% of the entrepreneurs never thought to build a targeted list of investors, potential investors in their space and actively market to them. Uh, yeah, it's pretty logical it, once you hear it, like it, most right, ideas, right? Especially <laughs> obvious, right? You should have a <laughs> list of dream investors, not Warren Buffett, <sighs> people you can actually reach and drip on them like crazy until you get in the door. And uh, what you said uh, just there is really important. So everyone focuses on billionaires and it's always in the media, billionaires, 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 and there's TV shows on it and it's exhausting. Uh, but everyone's trying to access them and they have 10 layers of gatekeepers and there's only 3,000 of them globally. Yet there's, you know, 300,000 people raising capital. So they're not going to reply to you. Uh, But people don't know who else to go to. But there's 211,000 people worth over $30 million. And there's 55,000 people globally who are worth over $100 million each called centimillionaires. No one talks about centimillionaires. And in the future, they will a lot because there are 15 times as many. They're wealthy enough to write any size check you're looking for. And they have less gatekeepers and they're less famous. So you're going to be far more effective, maybe five times more effective at actually getting a meeting with a center.
than a billionaire. So for most people, forget billionaires exist. It might be nice to see what's happening with uh, Bezos or Buffett, et cetera, if you, you know, like how they think. But in terms of business, forget about them. Focus on the centimillionaires and the ultra wealthy, and you'll probably be better off. That makes absolute sense. You should not only fish where the fish are, fish where the right fish are, and fish where you're in a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond with fewer competing sharks and fewer people competing to try and feed them, for lack of a better analogy. For sure. So, um, you, you do, I believe, over 25 events a year. Um, a number of those are capital raising events. Tell us a little bit about what, uh, what those are and how those work. Sure, sure. Um, so we, half of the events are investor summits where we just have 25 investors on stage. It's not pitching. Uh, you're just hearing from a fire hose of investor insights basically during the day. And then about 25% of the room are investors. The rest are people raising capital for something typically. Uh, the other half of the events, though, are capital raising workshops. So we do a seven-hour workshop on influence and persuasion. We have one on marketing materials called investment pitch prep workshop. We have another one. Uh, that's on the fundamentals of capital raising. And each one's going to give you 20 to 35 different strategies on raising capital. And then once a year, we have 30 people get on stage and give 10-minute talks on what was the secret to them raising well over $100 million each. So these are really specialists in raising capital. And they're sharing publicly their best ideas in a limited 10-minute window. So they don't have time for a lot of fluff or five minutes on their bio and where they grew up, et cetera. And uh, those events are a lot of fun and uh, don't see too much education out there for people trying to raise frustrating. It's a, a lot of fun to put those on. Absolutely. So I would imagine then obviously you said 25% of the people are the investors in the room. The other 75% are business owners and entrepreneurs looking to raise capital. How mm -hmm. are you? Um, because you know the space very well and you've built yourself, you know, as one of the 800 pound gorillas in it. How are you marketing those events to get entrepreneurs to want to come and investors to want to be there? Sure. Uh, so on the investor side, we give an investor concierge service where everybody registers to come. Uh, we have their basic details and we follow up, we get to know them a little bit better and figure out their strike zone, what they're looking for more than anything else, et cetera. And then from the investor perspective, see who's attending that we could match them up with and make a connection with. And it's their choice if they want to follow up, make a connection or not. Um, from the person raising capital's perspective, we have like a Netflix model where instead of subscribing and getting movie titles and TV shows, you subscribe for 199 to 299 a month, and you get watch the recorded events. We'll review your pitch deck and your material. Everything to give you feedback uh, on those materials. And I found that um, having that type of a model, more community, rather than charging, uh, say, per event, you know, a thousand dollars to come for one day. And then so I just once. And then you're not like meeting your peers and do the workshops as much, et cetera. So we have more of a, a subscription model in the office club. And I found that that's kind of fun to add that community. Absolutely. I mean, you've built such an incredible, unique business. What do you like best about what you do? I think uh, that I get to work with the winners in capitalism and, and you know, the people that none of my clients won the lottery or inherited their money. They're all entrepreneurs that smart ideas and are hardworking, inspiring to be around. And there was a quote I saw that said that um, if people around you uh, are not inspiring, you're basically living in a cage, you know, and you're there, you're growing as much as you could be. And the other thing is that um, seeing 6,000 people a year flow through the events, we're able to see what two or three or four of them are doing to raise well over a hundred million a year. No, the 6,000 people 
the top couple ideas seem so powerful or type of structures and it's a of what maybe is to come and I think see what's working all seems to be ignoring the fact that that is working so well. So I love seeing stuff like that. That is awesome. Now you have, do you keep being a numbers guy? Do you keep any, do you have metrics in terms of, cause obviously you've been around a while in terms of like total dollar value of deals that have been done through your network that you would know um, about? Well, no, because uh, obviously we have full transparency on our own contracts. I mean, through running the family office club, we've been able to sign over $5 billion worth of advisory agreements uh, with single family offices. Uh, so I have full transparency on that, but um, you get clients who are out and say, Hey, uh, I'm Michael within the family office club just reached out, for example, and said, I was struggling working 80 hours a week to raise $4 million. And then we had uh, a review of our materials and we raised the next $8 million in just four to six after that because of new strategies and approach. Wow and better positioning. And then um, we had a client uh, that took out five to a dinner and they secured a $50 million uh, seed investment for their investment fund. And then we hear little one-off stories uh, here and there. But as you can imagine, with 6,000 people a year flowing through, what we've found is that somebody is going zero miles per hour. We can inject a ton of knowledge. We can give them a much better chance at surviving in the jungle, right? But the people who are going to have the triple and the home run are already doing a lot right. They might even be meeting with some of the investors who also come to our event. They already know a few of them perhaps. And so if someone's already going 25 miles per hour, we can get them up to 50 or from 40 to 60. Um, but it takes time and patience and planting seeds to go from zero to 60. And some people new to the space, you know, run around and they think, Oh, I'm going to raise a hundred million dollars for this, new idea. We're going to be the next Facebook, the next Uber or the Uber for whatever little niche they have. And it's very hard to raise capital as you know, right? So it's uh, it takes a lot of patience and iterative growth. And the best story I heard was from an oil and gas guy in Dallas. I think it was at our investor summit. He said he tried to raise $50 million, totally failed. No one invested. So he said, okay, well, I'll put together this $120,000 deal. I'll put up 55,000 of it. Now I'll go raise the rest from six other investors, which he did. He closed that. Then he did a $400,000 deal nine months later. Then he did an $800,000 deal that returned $3 million to his investors. Then he did a $10 million deal. And then a $30 million deal was his last one. The point is he started super small beans, like almost waste of time small, and he grew it from there. But investors like to see that track record, that commitment. And you know, playing the long-term game is something that a lot of investors want to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fascinating business and an incredible interview. Obviously, uh, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about some of the other things that family, the Family Office Club does. Um, Richard, you've been so generous with your time. Is there anything that you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Um, I think just that if you can own a sandbox and stand for something unique and be unique in the marketplace, own a keyword term over time for the solution you have, it can help clients and investors. Everybody wants a specialist. Everybody wants to invest in someone who's number one or the first in something. So being an also-ran is just a very sure way to not make much progress and just get ignored in people's email inboxes. Uh, excellent advice and a fascinating interview, Richard. We greatly appreciate it. It's been Seth Green here with Richard Wilson of familyoffices.com. Richard, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Seth. Take care. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? 
Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.